This episode is brought to you by The Eating Expedition, hosting food-focused trips and experiences around the world. We take being a foodie up a notch. Farms, factories, food trucks, fine dining, and firsthand experiences guide our conversations with folks in the food world as we get a behind-the-scenes look into different food cultures and celebrate the connection that food provides. And we are headed back to Northern Italy. Grab your bestie, your mom, your partner, and join me, Morgan Sinclair, for a trip of a lifetime from September 25th to October 5th, 2023, as we experience the cuisine and food culture of Northern Italy, including Parma, Modena, Cinque Terre, Broth, and the Piedmont wine region. Head on over to theeatingexpedition.com for trip details and to sign up. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast Today, we are going to be chatting about random thoughts and feels that we have around money right now. But before we dive into today's episode, we're going to check in with Morgan. Morgan, what were your business highs and lows this week? I had lots of highs, which I'm very excited to share. This was a, this was a, a good week in the biz world. I launched the eating expedition officially. Woo-woo! Sign up, people. It's going to be awesome. I'm so freaking excited for it. Can't wait. I just like, I keep looking at pictures from last year's trip and I just get like giddy all over again about how freaking incredible it was. So yes, please sign up for that. Second thing, I have no past due tasks on my Asana and it has stayed that way, which was my goal going into February. That's awesome. So it feels so good. We can talk about this more on the episode. I calculated my net worth for the first time this weekend, which was equal parts terrifying and exciting. I have a lot of thoughts about net worth and calculations because there's there's different ways to do it. And I'm curious which way you did it. So, but we'll we'll dive more into that later. Yeah. And then I have had a handful of discovery calls over this last week that have turned into clients. So I'm booked until April. Woo-woo. Uh, doesn't that feel so good of finding your people, them needing your services, making the sale to be businessy, um, and getting to start new creative projects. That's Amazing. Love all of that for you. Thank you. Yeah. It feels like it's been a, it's been a good week. I mean, truthfully, I'm trying to think of lows that have happened this last week. None are coming to mind. I've been sleeping well. I feel like my schedule has been manageable. I've made time for myself. Things just feel really in alignment right now. So I think Mm. I'm going to, I think I'm going to pass on the low this week because I'm feeling I'm feeling good. Cool. There's no obligation to a low. I can throw in a personal low if we want. Let's hear it. I finally had to call the hospital and get my itemized bill for my ER stay back in August. And it's, I, I 
don't even know what to do with it. I feel like I knew enough about insurance to be able to know how to like negotiate it down and like figure out why they're charging me $600 for a comprehensive metabolic panel. That should be $7 and 77 cents. It's like, don't even know where to start with that. And so that feels a little overwhelming. That's like kind of looming over my head, but isn't that how the good faith estimate is supposed to come in and how Okay, that's what I thought because, but I don't know, like, who do you call for that? Do you call your insurance or do you call the hospital? Sorry. When you said, who do you call? My brain wanted to say Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. (laughs) (laughs) So silly. I wonder if you can send them just a written statement of, hey, this is not correct. Here's what I was expecting to pay. Here's what you're asking of me. Under the good faith estimate, this has a difference of X amount of money, and this was not communicated to me, so I'm not going to pay this. Okay. Love that. Where do I find the rates to compare it to? That's a really good question. Exactly. That's where I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just like find the rates and like argue it. But I'm like, where do I find the rates? And like, who do I call? Do I call my insurance company from last year that's no longer in business because I had a bright healthcare plan and they're not functioning anymore? Do what? I yeah? Or do I call the emergency room that I went to? Or do I like I don't I don't even know who to call. I'm sure they have a billing department. They do. I talked to them yesterday to get the itemized receipt and she was actually very kind. So I probably could just call them back and ask. I just like first step was to get the itemized receipt and see how much I was actually charged. Was that the total amount? Oh no. The total amount is a little under $1,600 plus another 780 for, they had to outsource to someone to read the radiology report which that for sure should be covered by the No Surprises Act, but yeah. yikes! Yeah, dude, it's like twenty five hundred bucks. That's like I have the energy to fight it. I feel stubborn to fight this because this is partly what I do for work is help people navigate out of network benefits. But like, Jesus, it's frustrating. Yeah, I don't understand how they can just do these services and not provide what a patient might be liable for to -hmm. make an informed decision. And at the same time, it's like, what else were you supposed to do too? Like, just be like, no, I'm not going to get checked out, but maybe it is a consent thing still. Yeah. I I also, I, I should also say this, my insurance covered a good chunk of it. The original bill was almost $15,000. That is so ridiculous. Yeah. So the fact that it's only 2,500, like is obviously significantly cheaper. And like, I really don't want to pay $2,500 to like get told that I didn't have appendicitis. That's a super boo low. It's a Hate super it. boo low, but it's not a business low. It's a personal low, which, mm. you know, they're kind of all integrated because it even during work day, I still think about it all the time. Yeah. Anywho, mm. what about you? What were your highs and lows this week? I texted you at the beginning of the week and I told you that on Monday I woke up feeling hopeful which feels random because I I don't know what I'm hopeful about. (laughs) There's nothing specific that I'm like, yes, I'm hopeful for X, Y, and Z outcome. I think I just woke up in a different mood this week, less stressed, feeling grounded, noticing my schedule and really liking how it was set up. Um, It's been a really good week and 
my mood has just felt good. So I'm going to ride that high. And I feel like that's trickling into my work with getting things done and being excited about future things. Um, we also hired somebody at Nourish Colorado, our 10th clinician, if you Holy include cow. me. Double mm-hmm. digit. Yes. And she's super awesome. So excited for her to start. We might be hiring a second person and kind of staggering them. Our goal is to hire four people this year. We will see. And so it's like we ripped off the bandaid and hired one in the first quarter, which is what we wanted to do. And so that was also a high. How are you feeling about holding space for both hiring someone and also being in the cash flow issues that are January? Yeah, I think the nature of group practice is fairly protective when you have an established group. And also when you pay people typically per client session, per billable hour. And so, yes, I pay them ahead of time out of what we have in the business, but I get reimbursed by insurance. So knowing the money will come and having a nest egg kind of settles my my fears and my anxieties. And I might've mentioned this in another episode earlier this year, but this is the first year I'm still stressed about cash flow. That's my own shit because as you all know, if you listen to the pod regularly, I am so neurotic about business finances and I don't feel the same amount of stress as usual because we have an awesome billing department who's so on their shit. I can look in the bank account every day and see money coming in and that gives me hope too. And we just had literally people, it's the end of January. So we had our end of January bills. I had to pay my team. There was some outstanding things. $40,000 went out of our business bank accounts this week. And that almost made me shit myself. Honestly, I was like, what the fuck? But we were fine. We were good for it. Okay. That would also cause me a lot of panic. Good for you for making it through that. I can tolerate discomfort. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It has to be fine. (laughs) It has to be fine. (laughs) My lows in business this week. I'm really fucking behind on emails Mm. and I don't want to deal with them. I feel like a little bratty child. That's like, why do people want access to me? I feel like this about my texts sometimes too, um, which is my own stuff of just getting overwhelmed and being avoidant. So that's kind of going on in my inbox. So if you listeners have an email in my inbox, I'm really sorry. I haven't gotten to it yet. And I will, I promise (laughs) before the weekend. Well, but you'll catch up. I feel like I have ebbs and flows with emails where like sometimes I'll like let them sit in there unread and be like, man, I need to reply to that. And then like literally one day I'll wake up and be like, let me tackle all my emails. I have an hour. Let's go. (laughs) Something that really messed me up this week is I had someone unread for a few weeks and what was in there was super time sensitive and I pretty much missed the mark Mm. and it's going to be okay. But now I'm in a frantic, fuck, I got to get this task done Yeah, because it's impacting somebody else. And that's always my biggest pain point in how I interact with businesses and entrepreneurship is the moment it starts affecting someone else, I hate it. Yeah, If it only affects me, I can live in that chaos. But when it affects other people, I'm like, nope, got to tackle this now. Got to prioritize. That's how I function too. I get it. You ready to dive in? Let's do it. Morgan and I wanted to have a chill, candid episode 
this week about money and where our brain is at and some things we've been experiencing and some questions that we've been pondering. And we're kind of just going to see what comes out of our mouths this week. Which is really (laughs) scary, but... (laughs) But we made a commitment when we started the podcast that we'd be vulnerable and talk about hard things. And so not all of this is hard things to talk about. Some of it's interesting, but uh, yeah, I am excited to chat about some personal finance things. So one thing I've been pondering a lot about with money is what is enough? And someone asked me this a few months ago. And I haven't stopped thinking about it because the truth is I don't know. And over the last several years, my income has increased, sometimes exponentially. I would say for being in the dietetics field, I make really, really good money. And I go back and forth and hold often the tension of making money is great. I was able to buy a condo because I made money. I'm almost paid off with my car and the struggle of letting other things go like my time and my resources and my energy are so committed to businesses. And with my word of the year being space and wanting to have more of that with that is going to come At this point in time, because I just don't have the energy to replace what I do to bring in revenue, it might cause a a dip in my income this year. And so I'm trying to figure out what is enough for me. Have you come to a conclusion? I have not. Because What what does that process look like? Are you just like, is it one of those things that you're just like constantly thinking about where you're like not really going to like land on an answer and just kind of like check in each month or quarter? Or I don't know if there is an answer because if I try to look at things objectively, I invest a lot of money. We're going to do an episode on investing and maybe touch on it a little bit today, but I really want to retire by the time I'm 45 latest or at least be financially independent. Maybe I'll keep changing that over time because it is a lot of pressure. And sometimes it stresses me out and that contributes to needing to make a certain amount of money. But also I like, and I feel empowered that I get to put so much money in investments. Um, But as far as my day-to-day living, what I've kind of settled on is to live a really good life where all my needs are met, all my bills are paid, I have a good amount of money for fun and travel. I think a net of 4500 would be really good. 4500 a month? Yes, 4500 a month, which would be 45 times 12 is <laughs> Hold on. Equal. We're going to do the math. 100 times 12. 54,000. Okay, so that's 54,000 net, so it's probably closer to 75,000 gross. Meaning 75000 before taxes. Yes. And that actually ties into what the research shows of happiness and money, which is interesting. But happiness only increases so much after that level of income. As you're talking about like what is enough, this is something that I have been thinking about also for a while just because my income 
fluctuated so much over the span of three years from like starting as a dietitian, moving to outreach, quitting and working for myself. And it was something that I was always aware of where like my first full-time job was working as a dietitian at a treatment center. My annual salary was about 52K, not including what's taken out. And that felt like good, but I also don't know if that felt good because it was like my first time ever getting paid consistently for a full-time job. So, but it was, it was manageable. And then whenever I switched over to outreach and it was also like moving into outreach and my design studio was doing pretty well for like a side hustle, side gig, my income jumped to a little under a hundred K and that felt really good. Like, yeah, there was the stress of the job at the tail end, but like that felt super stable. I wasn't stressed. I was able to pay my bills and then I had some leftover. I really wish I would have started investing then, but I didn't. I was just really excited that I was like having leftover money after all of my bills and honestly living a little bit more extravagant of a lifestyle. Um, which, you know, I, I wouldn't trade. I really enjoyed it. And then when I quit my job, my income dropped to about 25,000 and that was a significant jump. And it's, I mean, it still hasn't, I, this past year has been better because I have a few different revenue sources. My first year of entrepreneurship, it was just branding, marketing, web design, so like 25,000 for my first year of entrepreneurship that I paid myself, my business made more than that felt pretty good, but it definitely wasn't enough. Got some credit card debt. I'm, we can talk about this. I consider it, I honestly consider it smart debt um, because I knew that I wasn't going to be stuck there forever. I knew that if I needed to get another job, but I wanted to give myself that space in order to like go all in with my business. And I accrued some credit card debt and I'm slowly but surely paying it off. But I, I would agree that like my sweet spot would probably be about that same of like that 75 gross minus taxes would be close to 55. Um, that just feels like super manageable to be able to spend money on things that I want to spend on without having it be like the most extra life. I want to mention for myself, important to note is living on that money would not include investments. I'm really aggressive with investments. And just to be transparent, because I, I think people always want to know, I don't, I don't know how much money I made last year. And it's different for me because all of the profit from my group practice, because I'm an S-corp, is quote unquote, my pay even if it stays in the business, because that's just mm -hmm. how an S-corp works. You have to pay taxes on that. It's easily double what I could live on. Yeah. Well, and you, you pay yourself a consistent like annual salary of what is appropriate for a group practice owner. Yep. And then you have like the profit that you make if we're talking about, you know, profit first, right? Yep. Owner's draws. Absolutely. Owner's draws. Yeah. I also feel like I sell my soul to the devil sometimes. Mm -hmm. So there's a trade-off and that's where I want to find the, what is enough? What is the sweet spot with how much I'm working? 
how much I want to travel and do other things, how I want my time back and finding where I feel comfortable and also being a high achiever and wanting to strive for things and wanting to aggressively invest. Yeah. It's the balance of money is really hard when you're so values aligned yet having to live in a capitalistic society. Ugh, it's I such know. a hard balance. Cause I'm like, yes, I do want to make money because having excess money for me is about combination, giving it back to things that are important to me and being able to create life experiences that enhance my life, make me happy. Experiences are a really big part of that. And it's not all like wanting to be greedy, but it's, 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 and I would on it have a hot take. I would say, especially in this space where like the weight inclusive space is so much about giving back and it's a little like anti-capital, which I anti-capitalistic capital capitalistic, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anti, I was like, capital is not the right word. There needs to be something else about anti-capitalistic but like, we can't deny that we live in a capitalistic society and we have to figure out what that balance is. I struggle us. with that so much. I struggle with it because when you have a business, it is capitalism. Mm -hmm. And what I always come back to is, am I treating my employees as well as I can? Am I paying them as well as I can? Am I providing for them as well as I can? And am I still getting compensated for the amount of work and stress and pain at times that I tolerate to make all this happen. And I don't think that that's necessarily wrong. I think it's messed up when somebody is severely profiting off of people and not paying them well, and they're not able to take care of themselves. That's a problem. But the reality is we do live in capitalism. The, the answer to what is enough, like you have to take that into consideration too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to circle back around to smart debt. You have a mortgage. Yes. That considered that's considered debt, correct? That that is. And that's where net worth is always interesting to calculate mm. because if you have a mortgage, you're technically in debt and that can go towards offsetting your the positive right. part of your net worth. Yeah. And yeah, that's I would be curious about that too. Cause like I don't have the only debt that I have is credit card debt, which is less than what I make and what I have in savings and what I have in investments. I don't have the mortgage. I don't have student loans where like those numbers, yeah, for sure are going to offset. I don't have car payments. Like those all offset the quote unquote positives. Would right. you consider your mortgage as a smart debt? 100%. I go back and forth a lot though, because I bought my condo at the peak of the market, kind mm -hmm. of. It's definitely worth more now than what I bought it for. And I'm happy to be transparent. Um, I live in the heart of the city of Denver, which is a fucking amazing place to live. I have so many resources. I am buy so many close things. I live two blocks from a park. I can drive to the mountains and be skiing in an hour 20 in a good day, as long as I get up at 4 a.m. and don't get gridlocked <laughs> in traffic. Yep. I'm I'm super privileged and it's such a great place to live. Um, so I want to give that that caveat. But I have a two-bedroom condo in a smallish building. There's 12 units, and it was listed for three hundred thousand. 
And I paid 16000 over to get this place and to get them to take it off the market. Now it's probably worth closer to 400000 minimum. The reason why I bought my place is I knew I wanted Denver as a home base, at least for a while. And I had enough money for the down payment. Some of that comes with privilege of my parents matching me, what I contributed. And it was also the perfect place for me. It's the perfect size. I can have guests. We live in an area we want to live. And I don't see the value of this. You and Bennett. Me and Bennett. Yes. Good (laughs) clarification. Yes. Me and the dog. Me and the dog. Bennett doesn't really contribute. That's kind of annoying, but he gets to live here. It's fine. So it was a good investment for me. It made total sense. And my mortgage is less than most people's rent in Denver now. Denver's so expensive to rent. Yeah. Well, and I, so I, I was listening to a podcast episode this morning about like interest rates when it comes to mortgage. And like when you bought the interest rates were at like an almost like a, a super low, I don't want to say all time low, but they were like really low as compared to like what they are now. Oh yeah. What they are now is quadruple what my interest rate is. Woo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was right timing me yeah. at the right place in my life. All the stars aligned. I definitely don't recommend buying something just to buy something. It doesn't make any sense, especially when things are so expensive right now. Yeah. I go back and forth on that a lot. Like I am, I have money set aside in my ally savings account that like accrues interest for an eventual down payment. But similar to you, like I want to live in the heart of Houston and that's expensive. (laughs) And so it's either expensive to buy or you can get like a cheaper house, but then you're going to have to put like a shit ton of renovations into it, which also doesn't sound fun. I'd rather just, if I can spend more money and get a house that's already completed for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for, obviously I don't have a mortgage. As I mentioned, I don't have student loans. If I did, honestly, I'd consider that smart debt too, because I wouldn't be able to run my business without the education that I got and the experiences that I got to have. Um, I go back and forth with credit card debt. Obviously, in an ideal world, there would be no credit card debt. I think it's definitely a taboo topic to talk about. But it also got me through my first year of entrepreneurship to allow me to continue doing this and figuring shit out and getting new experiences. And I, we, not to like sound dramatic, but like we wouldn't be recording these podcast episodes if I had to go back and get a job because of like not being able to put things on a credit card. My credit cards, I also like use efficiently in terms of points. So that funds a lot of trips and travels, especially with flights. So many of my flights are paid for, which is like one of the biggest expenses of traveling. Once I'm somewhere new, can be really easy for folks to match the expenses that they would if they were in their hometown or like where they're, where they currently live. Um, especially depending on where you're traveling to, like a lot of places where the dollar is a lot stronger, uh, really affordable to stay there for longer periods of time. And so, yeah, I, I definitely go back and forth a lot of like getting into the shame spiral, like having credit card debt, but I just like constantly remind myself that I'm aware of it. I check in on it. I know in past episodes, I've been very avoidant of looking at it. I have checked my bank account at least once a week, the whole month of January. And I'm very proud of myself for it. Yay. Good job at looking at your money. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying, it's starting to feel a little less scary and like I have a plan in place for it. Um, and you know, the end goal is to obviously pay off all of my debt, but it's just gonna, we're just gonna be chipping away. And this also, I don't, and we can talk about investing a little bit. I also held off on investing for so long because I was like, oh, it's gonna be way smarter for me to pay all of my debt first before I start investing. And then I just kind of got to a point where I was like, I hate that mentality. I don't know why, but it's not sitting right with me. And so I started investing last year, like a very small amount, but I was like, no, like I need my money to work for me. And I am crawling towards a point of stability where like, I will be able to pay off my debt even while I'm investing. I believe that most financial advisors would agree to, if you can invest, even if you have debt, because your money's going to grow. If you leave it in a bank account, it's not going to grow. Even if you have a high yield savings, it'll grow a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it's really important to invest. I feel like women and people who are not men often get left out of that conversation, which I feel really strongly about. If you've listened to past episodes, you'll know that I provide a 401k with a match for my team, which is an investing account because that's important to me. Yes, it costs a lot of money, but I don't care because it's worth the expense to know that my team will be taken care of in the future and they don't get into retirement years. And they're like, I have no money. I don't, I have to keep working. I don't want that for them. I don't want that for anybody. Yeah. I love that. I know you mentioned this earlier. We'll do a whole episode on investing for anyone interested in just getting started. Um, I'm not a financial advisor. Little disclaimer. I'm not a financial advisor. Please do not invest your money solely based on (laughs) what I'm doing. But if you're just needing a place to start, I have have two resources. The first is where I've started investing, which is Elvest, E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T. And it is their like tagline is invest with the experts in women's wealth. Uh, it's very, I, again, going back to the, like the capitalism conversation, I just had a hard time with the idea of like investing my money, not knowing who it was impacting, who it was hurting and what it was being used for, which I know, like, I am not going to have control over all of that. And that was definitely a barrier to get me to invest. Cause I was like, I don't want to do more harm than good while investing, but I also want to invest to like support financial goals and all of that. And so Elvis was the like happy medium that I came to. So there's, is it's optimized for women. It's founded by funded by built by built for investing in women. Uh, they do, they optimize it for risk and they also optimize it for impact. Um, meaning that they are looking at, um, ways to invest in women and issues that disproportionately affect women. I'm reading this directly from their website. I don't have that memorized. <laughs> I was like, wow, sponsor Morgan. Come sponsor on. Me. Uh, no, I'm literally reading it from their website. And that's been really good. I just have an automatic transfer set up where it goes directly to them. And I've seen some growth, which obviously, you know, you can't like micromanage that because it's it ebbs and flows all the time. Um, but I've been doing that for about six months now. And so that's felt really good. My second resource that I'm going to recommend is a company in Austin called Factora Wealth. Um, and they have a podcast called Coffee and Coins. Uh, that's primarily their cute. founder, Allegra. Isn't that cute? I know. I love it. Um, they have these things called wealth circles, which are predominantly for women and non-men um, to join and learn about. I, I've had a friend go through it and they recommended 
having consistent, stable income before doing something like that. And I just like, haven't been at a point where my income has been like that consistent. So I haven't done it yet, but love following them on Instagram and love their free webinars and love their podcasts. So would definitely recommend them. We'll link both of those in the show notes. I also, am going to add in there her first 100 K they have a Facebook group website, great newsletter, uh, Tori Dunlap, the founder. She's awesome. She just released her book and I bought it. I haven't opened it yet, but it's a $20 book. And I have just been seeing people rave about it and it's rooted in feminism, anti-oppression work and teaching people who have been left out of the conversation about their money. So that might be a good place to start for people. She's one of my favorite follows on TikTok. She's awesome. Okay. And then just have a few questions that we've brainstormed for each other. Oh, wait, did we want to talk about net worth? I know we like dabbled in it a little bit. Okay. My, I have curiosities because I know I have a net worth. I can Mm -hmm. guess where it's around, but I'm also like, why, what is, why do we do this? What is it for? Actually, that's a really good question that I don't know the answer to. I, the story that I'm telling myself is that the goal is to have a positive net worth. So like, you're not leaving anyone else like with your burdens and like, you know, that you're like in the positive of having tangible money or invested money that you can spend. Interesting. I don't know if you can leave somebody in the negative. Like if you pass away, not to be Mm -hmm. morbid and you have debt, that just, it, you don't, that's not yours to give to somebody. It's just gone. If you have a partner rejoined finances, there we go. Yeah. That's what I also thought that you accrued. Like if someone was like leaving their estate to you and they were like, I'm thinking of like morbid, but if my parents were to pass away and they had debt, like that wouldn't get passed down to me. No, I used to think that too. Oh, nope. Well, that's what we should call this episode. That's a great myth to, a myth to negate. That's terrifying. I want people to fact check us, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure. And I'm going to ask my financial advisors when uh-huh. I see them next. But that doesn't make any sense to me unless you were co-signed on the loan or something or you were a beneficiary. But why would you be a beneficiary of debt? That doesn't make any sense. Okay. Quick Google search. A deceased person's debt doesn't die with them, but often passes to their estate. Certain types of debt, such as individual credit card debt, cannot be inherited. However, shared debt will likely still need to be paid by a surviving debt holder. That Types makes sense. Of debts that can be inherited. Mortgages, co-signed debts, joint debts, community property, and medical debt. Ooh. That medical one is interesting. That's all the other ones make sense to me of like, of course, a mortgage is debt. And if you're inheriting a house, then you are responsible for the mortgage. Hmm. Anyway, I, I still have a lot more questions that I don't think either of us know the answer to. So we'll, we'll follow up after we talk to our financial advisors. (laughs) More to discuss later. More to discuss. Anyway, well, while we're on the topic of Googling, what is the purpose of net worth. It's a good indicator of your financial health. It shows whether your overall assets are worth more and less than what you owe. So it's a tool in a a way for you to check in. 
That's interesting because I know net worth as far as investments, especially is important to to know. And people have their numbers they want to reach to be able to retire. And I know that's one way to kind of look at it. But otherwise, I feel if you have a grasp on your money and what's going on, even if it's not where you want to be, that might be enough. And what I, what I worry about with net worth is the comparison trap. Mm, and mm-hmm. the only time I really look at net worth, one is when my financial planners make me look at it. And then I'm just like, the, and two, whenever I'm looking up celebrities. So for yes. example, whenever we were watching formula one in Costa Rica, I'm yep. pretty sure I Googled Lewis Hamilton's like, net worth. Yes. Yeah. So it's it was like really, celebrities it was who lot. have ridiculous net worth. I'm like, Taylor Swift, ridiculous net worth. She's in the billions. Wild. It's wild. I think. Um, one more quick little note from Google, and then I, I will share how I have calculated my net worth for anyone interested. Oh, I pulled up the wrong financial thing too. Okay. So while you're pulling that up, um, Taylor Swift's net worth is 450 million. So I misspoke. It's not in the billions, but that's a lot. That's She's 33. A lot of money. Jesus. Okay. Knowing your net worth is important because it can help you identify areas where you spend too much money. Just because you can afford something doesn't mean you have to buy it. To keep debt from accumulating unnecessarily, consider if something is a want or a need before you make a purchase. Well, obviously. Anyway. That's sound. That's some sound advice. So the way, and again, I have no clue if this is right or not, but I listened to a recent episode on coffee and coins, which we can link the specific episode to about net worth and they talk about it. Allegra was talking about it. And so I was like, huh, that'll be an interesting yet terrifying project to have uh, or project to do. So what I did was I added up all of the money in my checking account, both my savings accounts, savings bonds. My aunt gave me savings bonds for my birthday every year and they're 30 year savings bonds. And so like my first one is going to reach its like max amount in May. Interesting. Anyway, yeah, very interesting. I I was asking her if I could set something like that up for my niece and apparently they like I don't think savings bonds are a thing anymore, but I got them every year, at least once a year for my birthday, sometimes twice a year for Christmas. Very interesting. Awesome. So I have I have a good chunk of money from savings bonds and then um the amount that I have in my Elvest account. So those are all of my like in the positive numbers and then I subtracted my credit card debt. Totally makes sense. And I got my net worth. Math. We love it. <laughs> Math. Do you have a plan to pay off your credit card debt or are you sort of wrestling with that every month of what you can contribute? How do you, how do you recommend? Ooh. Not that you recommend you're not a financial advisor, <laughs> but how are you navigating that in case of oh. the same situation? Such a good question. Um, this is going to be hard to explain without looking at my um, spreadsheet with a shit ton of formulas on it. Give us broad. Broad. Okay. Let me, let me stare at this. Okay. So I have my income coming in for two weeks or like for the first half of the month, the first or the 15th. Um, that is income from my design studio and from other consulting things that I'm doing. And then if that's not enough to pay my monthly bills and like average monthly cost, I pull stuff over from my emergency fund too. I'm not having to pull over from my emergency fund as frequently as I used to. Um, so basically like some of all of my income, subtract my monthly expenses, and then I have a number that I'm left with. 
let's say I made $2,000 for the first 15 days of the year. My uh, monthly expenses for those two weeks is $1,000. We'll just use a rough number. I have $1,000 left over. 2000 minus 1000 for monthly expenses gets me to, and those are like my recurring monthly expenses. Rent, Spotify, internet, LVEST, car insurance, phone bill, things like that, that I know are going to be consistent every month. I have $1,000 left over. I budget that out and budget is like in like the biggest quotation marks you've ever seen in my entire life. I am aware that I have $1,000 to spend in those two weeks. I know what my usual gas payment is, food, both groceries and eating out, coffee runs. So many um, and then I kind of divide it up, but so many coffee runs, it's worth it. I, it makes me, it makes me leave my apartment, not makes me leave my apartment. I get to leave my apartment and go get coffee every day. It feels so good. Um, and then I kind of look at what those two weeks have in store. I have a pretty good idea of what my schedule's like. Am I going to go get a haircut? Am I going to get a manicure? Do I need to buy clothes for an upcoming event? Do I have therapy during those two weeks? Just like kind of looking at things like that. And my goal is to make sure that that number does not go over the thousand dollars ideally it will be less than the thousand dollars. And so I know I will be able to pay off all of my expenses for those first 15 days. And then whatever I have left over, I put a little bit back into my emergency fund and the rest goes to paying off my credit card. Was that confusing? No. I mean, I followed it. Cool. (laughs) It's also okay if it was confusing for people. Yeah. I was, I just like imagine, I am imagining whenever I'm like driving my car and someone starts throwing out like equations and I'm like, I'm not a visual math person, so sorry if that was confusing. So you kind of mentioned one of these. I'm I'm going to guess that coffee is on your list, mm-hmm. but what are your top three things that you fucking love to spend money on and you coffee. do it relentlessly? Coffee daily. Screw the Dave Ramsey. You shouldn't oh, buy coffee. Fuck that. Coffee brings me so much joy. The baristas know my name. They usually know my coffee order. It makes me feel really cared for. I love going and working at coffee shops. I will always buy coffee. It is a quality of life thing. Totally agree. Yeah. That's never going away. I will sacrifice other things before I sacrifice my at least once a day, sometimes twice a day coffee runs. <laughs> okay. So coffee's one. What are your coffee's other Coffee's one. You can only pick three. So choose wisely. Trips. No one's <laughs> surprised. No one's surprised. <laughs> Well, I was thinking, I was like, am I about to say trips and Hannah's going to be like, so flights is one and lodging is one and experience is one. And you can't do that. Nope. Um, we're going to lump some trips. Yeah. That should not surprise anyone that nothing makes me feel more myself alive, excited, passionate, confident, best version of myself than when I'm traveling. Cool. That was number two. <laughs> number three. Number three would be going out to dinner or happy hour with friends because social connection is prominent part of my life. Love that. Those are all super valid. I feel like you're about to tell me your big three. I'm going to be like, fuck, I really wish I would have added that one. What are yours? (laughs) Give it to us. Well, now I have to think of them. (laughs) Um, This is in no particular order, but one is obviously travel. Yes. And wanting to experience the world. Adventure is really important to me. Number two is sport. So skiing, climbing, all the adventure things that I like to do. Rollerblading. Rollerblading. Well, roller skating. Roller skating. Sorry. I'm the blader. You're the skater. (laughs) 
so, but all of those things feel sometimes like a one-time purchase. Like my roller skates, I bought them and I can ride the shit out of those things until I break them, you know? So I'm all about paying top dollar for that kind of thing that I know I'm going to use. I prove to myself that I'm going to use it first and then I drop the money. Not relentlessly. It's still smart, but I'm not afraid to spend $350 on my skates, which I did. And I've used them at least 20 times already. So I always break that down in my head of like, that's like $10, $15 per time. Perfect. That number is going to keep going down over time. Yep. The third thing is food. Mm -hmm. For sure. I really want to add a bonus fourth, which is therapy. That's all. (laughs) I think that should be a free one. I think so too. I think it's like just a, a given. Sport. That's how I feel. Cause the things I'm naming aren't necessarily what I spend most of my money on. I would say I spend mm-hmm. most of my money on my mortgage is my biggest yeah. expense and therapy. I would Same. say those are my two biggest rent, but yeah. Um, but the things that I am like, I will pay good money for this shit because this is why we're here. This is why we make money is travel, sport, and food, which I put coffee in the category of food. So if you want to merge yours and pick a new new third, that's okay. Well, okay. I'll say this. I'll I'll do like food and coffee as one and then experiences with other people as a third. For example, I'm taking golf lessons right now with the other Hannah in my life. And we also took tennis lessons together in the fall. And like, that's just fun. I just like, I value doing things like having experiences with friends. I noticed that neither of us really said anything materialistic and I'll put obviously an asterisk on that because everybody can decide what, what sounds materialistic to them, but it, we're about experiences and enjoyment and not accumulating stuff. I hate stuff so much this weekend. Actually, I am not skiing. I'm going to take a break and I'm going to clean out my entire apartment and donate everything that I don't use and really hold every item and be like, do I want this? Which um, if you want to do that with me on FaceTime, I have been meaning to do that. I have, a, I can see it. There's a whole pile of things that I've just like gradually added to of things that I need to go donate. Maybe we need an accountability club zoom where we <laughs> all put our black screens on, we mute ourselves and we're just fucking cleaning. Let us know if you're interested. Okay. We love to spend money on those things. Is there anything that you hate spending money on? I was just thinking of the first thing that popped into my head and it's, it's so small and it's so stupid. What is it? It's dog poop bags. I hate spending money to buy plastic, to pick up my dog's shit and throw it away. It kills me on so many levels. So what I do is because I live in the city, there is a bunch of bag holders where you can take some. So Mm. every day I'll walk past one and just grab three. I will say I actually this week finally did order some and I hated it because I kept running out and then the bag containers kept being out of them. So I was like, Mm. okay, Hannah, just buy it. Just do it. It's going to make your life easier. So this week I did buy bags, but I fucking hate it. And I resisted it for so long. I've had my dog for five years. It's going to be six years in August. And so I went a long time without buying poop bags. You haven't bought poop bags since you've had him. (laughs) 
I in and out of it I go, but ever since I've lived in Denver, and especially I've lived in my oh my gosh, it's been two years since I got my condo. Ever since I moved into this condo, I've never bought poop bags. So at least the last oh, two years. Oh my god, how much do poop bags cost? Not it's not even about the money; it's the principle. I just ordered <laughs> two hundred and seventy of them for ten dollars. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's not about the money; it's the principle. Oh my, it's god. random. That's so funny. What do you hate spending money on? Oh, okay. Similar. We're going to go for the, for the principle and not actually the cost of things. I buy gallon water bottles, like the big ones, because Houston water is just like, it tastes okay. It's probably okay, but I'm a little skeptical of it. And so I tried the Brita filter. I just like don't have the patience to fill that thing up every single time I use it. Just I just can't do it. So I've started buying gallon water bottles every week. I buy two because I also can like get water at my co-working space, the gym, other places, but two will usually get me through a week. And I hate it because I recycled the bottles after. Like, don't get me wrong. I am I already feel bad about buying so much plastic, buying two things of water bottles. Every week, there's a lot of plastic. I do recycle them. But then I found out that like recycling is also kind of sketch and they lead you to believe things that like aren't necessarily true. So I feel really bad about it. But also like your girl's got to stay hydrated. Recycling is not as exact efficient and helpful as people pushed it. It's really about reducing what you're using. Yes. Um, I just want to get on a tangent that growing up, with the whole reduce, reuse, recycle, that's it, right? Reduce, yep. reuse, recycle. Yes. Made us believe that if we did those three things, we were going to change the world and didn't fucking hold any of these big corporations accountable. And I feel so angry that that shit was put on us. Like, yes, I'm going to do what I can to help the planet, but also like, that's not all on me. <laughs> that was really, I got really preach. Yes. I listened I, to a podcast episode about that recently and got so frustrated. I have really strong feelings about sustainability, environmentalism, and the recycling piece is so hard. I, we have recycling at my building and I walk past it and people just throw whatever the fuck they want in there. And I'm like, you just ruined a whole container of recycling. None of that is going to get recycled now. So everybody, please just look at what your city actually recycles, what's recyclable and if you're not sure, it's better to just throw it in the trash. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's like as specific as like, do you have to cut the plastic thing off of like the, the label off of the bottle? Do you have to take tape off of boxes? Like oh, so much. Mm-hmm. Itty gritty, yeah. but one of my favorite business spaces outside of our space is the sustainability and environmental space. Mm-hmm. I'm all about supporting the companies who create shampoo bars. So that Mm. you don't have to use plastic. I replaced my shampoo with shampoo bars. I got reusable paper towels. I use these dishwasher pods that come in all recyclable cardboard and have no plastic. I bought these silly little soap sheets. I don't recommend them. (laughs) Um, They're like these sheets of soap and you pull one out of the container and you put it in your hand and then you wet it and then you wash your hands instead of having plastic, which I love. But I keep fucking forgetting to grab one before I wet my hand. So I totally ruined the whole 
oh, no. the sheets. It's fine. I'm still using them. It's just not pretty. And then um, <laughs> I also use sheets for washing detergent now. I don't buy plastic. So I'm all about, and that's a values thing too. If I would rather spend more money supporting those businesses Mm -hmm. than keep perpetuating having stuff around, which I fucking hate. I do not want any more containers of Tide in my place that I have to deal with and wonder where it's going to end up. Well, then you have to wash it out before you can stick it in the recycling bin. Right. Yep. Um, One more thing about sustainability before we... uh, get back to our OG topic of finance. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this little tangent. Have you heard of glass half full New Orleans? No. What is that? Okay. So this came on my radar when I first got TikTok back at the beginning of the pandemic. And so in Houston and most parts of Houston, you can't recycle glass, which is annoying. Apparently that's the same way in New Orleans. And so these people created a company called Glass Half Full where you can drop off your glass and they turn it into sand and they use that sand to make sandbags to help with flooding during storms and hurricanes because New Orleans floods a lot. Oh, that's awesome. I literally have commented on their TikTok a handful of times now. And I'm like, whenever y'all are ready to franchise... I will gladly spearhead the Houston location with all your spare time with all my spare time. <laughs> See, I love, I love reduce and reuse. That's exactly what, what we need to do the most of. So yeah. shout out to that company. That's awesome. Is there anything else that you hate spending money on my car? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. your car is never going to get better. You can put all the money into it that you want. You are never going to be able to improve the value of your car enough because you use it all the time and it's going to degrade. And it's what's the, what's the chart called? It starts with an A. You have to calculate them in like finance classes. You know what I'm talking about? The, the word appreciation. Depreciation. appreciation. Yep. Depreciation, depreciation chart. Depreciation. Yes. Depreciation. depreciation. <laughs> so sorry about that. You do not appreciate. You do not that appreciate. My car is depreciating. <laughs> yes. Depreciation. Um, just things like that, that are just never gonna, they're never going to get better yet. You have to spend money on them to maintain them. And it is annoying. Now that we've rambled about our money thoughts for <laughs> the last hour, hour. Hope this was entertaining. Any last thoughts you want to add in? I feel like we covered it. No, we covered a lot. I, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope this was yeah. Number one entertaining because at we, minimum, yeah, at minimum. Cause we didn't have a script for, we usually like write out like great talking points to like kind of guide us through the conversation and didn't really have that today. So we hope you enjoyed it at least. And maybe felt validated by one of our thoughts that is not super talked about unless you're following someone like Corey Dunlap or other financial influence, women, non-men, progressive financial influencers on social media. And if you have any money thoughts you've been pondering lately, we'd love to hear it. You can email us. You can reply to our newsletter. Hello at weightinclusiveinnovators.com, which we did revamp our newsletter. So if you're not on that list, you got to get on there. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the pod on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please leave us a rating and review, share with a business bestie, and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.